What is up, y'all? Happy weekend. Hopefully you guys are having a good one out there. Also, I hope you're in a good mood because this is a little bit of a spicy episode. I've been going mellow on y'all these last couple weeks. And it's, it's time for a few spicy episodes, but I think it needs to be said. We're kind of judgy and mean to stay-at-home moms and also military spouses that are civilians. We're, we're kind of mean to them. And I think a lot of times it just... Unfortunately, I think it just comes with the culture of being in the military. And I think that it's so deeply ingrained that nine and a half times out of ten, we don't even realize that we're doing this. But honestly, now that I'm on that side and I'm seeing some of these reactions, I'm like, oh, <laughs> don't love that. And so it did kind of open my eyes to how we talk about and treat some of these spouses and stay-at-home moms, which I'll go into in a second why I think they're connected. But we just need to do better. And like I said, I really do truly think it's just the culture that we're in right now and where we don't even realize it. Because these people that are making these comments are the best people you'll ever meet, right? They're sweet. They're maybe your friends. Like there may be people that they do truly care about you. But like I said, it's just so deeply embedded in our perception of this category of person it's so deeply embedded that we don't even realize like, hey, that could have been phrased a little better. That, you know, these are the underlying messages that you're saying when you say some of these things. And that's the important part, right? So I lump stay-at-home moms and military spouses that are civilians, I lump them into the same category because I think they're both seen the same way. They're both seen as dependents, right? Or the less fun term that we hear in the military, depend epotamuses. Um, They're just like secondary figures. They're just the attachments. They're the tag-alongs. They're just kind of there. They're just extensions of that quote-unquote primary person, that military person or the primary caregiver, whatever. The forever plus one, right? The wife. And when I say that is when people introduce it's like, oh, hey, this is whoever. This is Tim. This is blah, blah, blah. This is the wife. This is Tim's wife. This is, you know, it's always in relation to that one person, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they also have a name. They also have their own identity. And that identity piece is super weird for me because as I transition out of active duty, I've already, in the short amount of time that I've been on terminal leave and away from active duty, I've already seen that piece so much. Like, the identity shift is just bizarre. I expected it to be weird and kind of difficult and just different, but it's really, it's really, really eye-opening, especially now that I am the wife. I'm Sergeant Kim's spouse. I'm, you know, I'm no longer, I'm no longer Sergeant Kim. I'm no longer Maggie. I'm Daniel's wife. You know what I mean? And so that piece is like, it's kind of hard to come to grips with. And I think what I've kind of narrowed it down to is honestly the biggest thing is the identity. You're no longer seen as your own person. You're no longer seen as an independent unit or an independent identity. You're seen as the extension of that other person. 
you're always seeing in relation to that other person instead of your own. And so in a way, it's kind of like you're sacrificing your own identity in order to be in that unit, you know, which not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just, it's different, right? And so it can be tricky to come to terms with, but that's why I also think it's super important to have that supportive background and that community where they don't add to that identity shift. Because like I said, already in the short amount of time that Daniel's been a recruiter and I've been tagging along to convention, like annual seminar convention things, or like we did this really cool block party where he had his Air Force tent up, yada, 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 and they're just talking to people. And I was there too. I brought Marshy, so that drew in a big crowd. And you know, it was fun. It was cool. They had a bunch of food trucks, they had fireworks, they had the live bands, all these different tents set up. I had a blast, but I noticed, I was like, man, this is so weird to see from the other side. Cause I was in regular clothes, right? Because I'm a regular person now. And Daniel and his coworkers were in their air force polos, the, the khaki pants, you know, their, their recruiter uniform, if you will. And it was so insane because especially at this block party, like people were coming up because they were interested in joining the Air Force, right? And so they're asking them these questions and it was it was the three of us, the, the me and the two, Daniel and then his coworker, and we were all standing there together. I was obviously like there with them. You know what I mean? Like I was standing very close to Daniel. Like we were, I was, I was there the entire, you know, four or five hours, whatever, however long it was. Um, it was very clear that I wasn't just like a passerby that came to chat and then leave. Like it was pretty clear. I had the dog, we had the dog bowl out, whatever. Like it was pretty clear. I was like a permanent attachment to this tent, right? And it was so insane because everyone that would come up, they would shake Daniel and his coworkers hand, like the ones in uniform, but they wouldn't shake my hand. And then at the end of the conversation, they would be like, Hey, it was nice meeting you. Shake your hand. Nice meeting you. Shake your hand. And then they would just like walk past me. And I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of weird because it's so weird for me to be on the other side. You know what I mean? And Daniel's great because he would always be like, hey man, like she's active duty. She's going to reserves. Like here's another avenue of an opportunity that the Air Force can give you to talk to like cool experiences, whatever, whatever, whatever. So like that piece was great, you know, just to kind of tie in and be like, hey, look at all of the the diverse options, career choices, whatever that you have in the Air Force. But it was still just that little, like those little, small, seemingly insignificant interactions. I'm like, just look at the difference of the treatment between the two. You know what I mean? It was just, it was crazy. It was kind of eye-opening to me. And it was interesting. Like I wasn't, I wasn't offended. I wasn't mad. I'm like, oh, this guy's so rude. He didn't thank me for my service. I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying we do treat dependents differently. We treat the spouses differently. And I think that's why I said it's a lot. It's very, very similar to how we treat stay-at-home moms. You know, all the comments of like, oh, what do you do all day? Or, oh, it's, you know, how's retirement going? Again, the people have made these comments to me sweetest people, like I trust them with my life. They're they're the best. And they don't realize it. I, and I think that's what I'm kind of trying to say. I'm not saying people that say these comments are terrible humans. I'm saying 
good human beings are making sometimes less than thoughtful comments and they really truly have no idea that those comments are the ones perpetuating a less than positive experience for this group of people. And that's really what this whole episode is just about. Like, I mean, this is what this whole podcast is about. Like I said, from from the jump, from day one, from the first episode, I'm trying to raise awareness. I'm trying to have those difficult conversations that no one wants to have because then that's how we get better. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And so, yeah, people ask me like, oh, what do you do all day? And especially the retirement piece gets me too, because at first I'm like, oh, haha, it's funny. Like, you know, retirement life, living the cake life, the cush life. But then when you really think about it, retirement is the end of a chapter. That's where you say goodbye to your career. You say goodbye to your career progression, which is in some ways debatably, but it's kind of tied to your personal professional growth, who you are as a human, your identity, growth, all that stuff. Retirement is the end of a chapter. I'm at the start of so many new chapters. I'm, damn it, it's it's the start of a new book for me, right? I mean, I'm creating a human. I'm learning how to be a civilian. I'm slowly chugging along towards my PhD dreams and my teaching goals. Like, I'm literally only beginning. I'm just getting started. Why are you calling it my retirement? I promise you I am nowhere near done with the things that I've accomplished and that I want to accomplish. And for me, that's exciting, right? That's why I separated. It was the right choice for me because this is what I wanted to do. This is the next step in my journey. And Daniel's so sweet because I think he kind of noticed it and recognized it probably before I did, honestly. But there's been a few times... And it just made my heart gush, like maybe just because I'm pregnant, I don't know. But there was a few times where he just kind of out of nowhere, we're just sitting and talking or whatever. And he's like, hey, you know, I want to thank you for sacrificing your military career. And like, thank you for making this choice to separate and to take care of the baby and, you know, to have a baby and like, you know, chase your own dreams. But especially this first year, because what I'm going to do, if you guys, if I haven't told you recently or whatever, so I'm separating in next weekend, actually, next Sunday. So no longer active duty. I am going reserves kind of as like a placeholder, whatever, just kind of keep one foot in the door. And I'm going to start, fingers crossed, I'm manifesting this. I'm speaking it into existence. I'm going to start my PhD next fall. So August of 2024 having a baby this October obviously and so I'm going to take that full year kind of like a little over a year year and a half whatever to just completely transition get used to being a civilian get used to being a dependent that doesn't have another identity apparently Uh, learn how to be a mom take care of this baby for the first year just like 100% stay at home take care of the baby And then I'll start going to school. A lot of the fellowships and stuff at the school I'm looking at, they have like teaching assistant positions. And so I'll probably do that too. Teach some classes on the side, help out with curriculum design, whatever, whatever. And then start teaching after that once I get my PhD. So that's my plan. But, you know, I did, I did make a pretty high rank. I made a rank in the military that I never thought I would. I did make master sergeant and 
you know, the timing, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy timing because I found out I made Master Sergeant. I got the notification on terminal leave, like when I was driving out here and a lot of my leadership was, they, you know, they called me to tell me and they were like, oh, you know, I know this is a difficult decision. This probably changes a lot of things. Give us till the end of the day. Let us know. You're not separated yet. We can easily keep you in. You can re-enlist. You can extend whatever. Wear this rank. Wear this senior NCO rank that not honestly not very many people make, especially not this early. A lot of people do change their separation plans in this exact situation. But I, I, that was not the path for me, right? Like I've chosen my path. Like I said, this is literally the beginning of my next chapters and my next journey. Like this is what I want. This is what I've been working towards for so long. So for me, I was like, screw Master Sergeant. I don't care about the rank, the position. I'm still going this route that I want to take. But it was really sweet to hear Daniel kind of say like, hey, you did sacrifice your military career. You did sacrifice your career progression. He's, I mean, he's so sweet. I don't think it ever would have happened, but he was like, you were on track to make chief. Like you could have made chief. You could have become an officer. You could have done anything you wanted to do in the military. He was like, but you didn't. You chose to go this route. You chose to, you know, to stay at home for the year and whatever. And you chose to take care of the baby so I could go and, you know, pursue my career goals, pursue my career progression. He's like, just thank you for that. You know, I appreciate that. I know that wasn't easy for you. I know that wasn't a difficult choice, or I know it wasn't an easy choice, sorry. And he just, he was like, just thank you. And then meanwhile, my pregnant ass, I'm like, (laughs) you know, because I cry at everything now. But yeah, I guess I didn't, I had never really seen it as, I never seen it that way before. Like, hey, you're making sacrifices you know, for the greater good, if you want to put it that way. Because personally, for me, when I made these choices, I I was kind of selfish. I'll admit it. I was, like, it is a selfish reason, you know. I didn't want to wait 10 years to start my PhD. I didn't want to wait 10 years to start building up teaching experience for my quote-unquote real career progression as an educator and as a professor. I was like, so... Screw master sergeant, screw making ranks, screw staying in the military. I'm going to, you know, start it now. Why not now? Now's as good a time as any. But I think now that I am separating, I do kind of see what he means. Like, okay, yes, you're doing this for you. Yes, this benefits you. But there are other caveats that come with separating, that come with being a military spouse, that come with being a dependent, that... I hadn't necessarily considered that. The whole, hey, people aren't going to ask you what your name is. The, hey, they're going to talk to your spouse. You're going to be there for decoration. You're going to be the arm candy. And that part was, is, still kind of tricky to come to terms with. Just because I'm so used to having, I'm used to having that, like, that power stance, that military, like, because people saw my rank, you know, I'm also, I'm a tall female. Like, I'm naturally a little bit imposing. And, you know, I can kind of use that to my advantage. Like, wearing the uniform, wearing the rank, all that stuff. That was my identity. And so now to t- just strip that off, it is kind of like, 
that piece of my identity is gone. And now, especially since I'm technically a stay-at-home wife, now I just lost another little sliver of my identity. And people are asking me, oh, what do you do all day? Oh, did you dust today? Oh, what are you cooking for supper? Pot roast? You know what I mean? And so that's why I just think we need to be careful on how we're talking to stay-at-home moms and just make sure that we're respecting like, hey, we don't know the decisions that they made. We don't know. And biggest thing, we don't know how they're coming to grips with that. Because I feel like I'm doing pretty good, honestly. I am, I would say I am living my best life. This is the healthiest I've ever been in my life. No joke. This is the best I've ever felt in my life. Every, every aspect of my life, my resting heart rate, my diet, my stamina, my energy levels, just everything, my sleep patterns, and just my overall quality of life, like my general well-being, best it's ever been by far. I don't feel stress <laughs> anymore. Like I don't get stomach aches. I almost never get headaches except like sometimes the pregnancy headaches, but they're super easy to beat. Honestly, I just ice my forehead, take some Tylenol if it's bad and drink some water and it goes away. That's it. But like, I don't have just day long headaches. I don't have stomach issues every single day. I'm not so exhausted and stressed out that I just am always overstimulated. It's amazing. Like for me, I'm doing really well, but I can easily also imagine that not everyone in my position is doing just as well. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, these, these great, amazing people that are checking in on me and saying, Hey, what do you do all day? Keep that mentality, keep that caring nature, still check in on them, but just maybe don't say, how's retirement? Or what are you baking for supper tonight? You know what I mean? Maybe just find a different way to ask what you're trying to ask, which ultimately is, how are you doing? Are you doing okay with this huge lifestyle adjustment? Food for thought. And you know, talk about the genuine, purest soul on this planet. Elise Myers had this video a while back and it really stuck with me because I watched it. She's pregnant too now, if you know, she's a little bit ahead of me. I think maybe by like a month or so, I don't know, doesn't matter. But she was going through her, she was like finishing up her first trimester early on in her second trimester, I think. And so I was like right in the throes of the worst part of the first trimester. And I saw one of her videos in her stories and it just really, really stuck with me this whole time. And I just, every so often, whenever things get kind of tricky in that aspect, I always kind of think back to it to help keep me, keep my mindset in perspective. But she was talking about her experience with productivity because she said, I've always been the type of person to put all of my weight, all of my self-worth into my productivity levels. Like what can I produce? What can I create? What can I do of substance that shows something physical that shows that I'm worthwhile, that I have self-worth? And that's just, she said that's just how she's always been. And since she's been pregnant and with her first trimester, it's rough, right? Like you have zero energy. And when I say zero energy, I've been tired before. I've worked swings. I've worked 16 hour days. I've done all of this stuff, right? Like I understand tired, but pregnancy tired is like a different level. And you can't just, you know, 
over-medicate with caffeine like you could before to where you're still tired, but you at least get the nice little flutter flutter in your heart. No, this is just straight exhaustion all the time, no matter how many hours you sleep. And also, depending on how bad your pregnancy symptoms are, you're also throwing up all the time. You also get insane headaches all the time. Like, you're not feeling good. So even when you are moderately awake, you're still not in a place to be productive, per se. And I was struggling with that because I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm getting behind. I can't relax because I'm just thinking of everything that I haven't done that I need to do. And she was kind of saying the same thing. She's like, I can't do anything. But she said that if she wakes up and if she can give 20% to whatever, to existing, cooking meals, showering, existing, right? She said, 20% is all I have to give that day or at that moment, then you'll get 20%. 20% is my 100% capacity. And she said, I just need to be okay with that. She's like, I'm coming to terms with that. 20% is my new 100%, point blank, that's it. That's what you get. And that's gonna have to be good enough. And so I just try and kind of keep that in perspective because when people were first asking me, what do you do all day? I did, I felt this immediate overwhelming urge to be like, Uh, I have to prove myself. Like, I have to prove my value. Like, okay, what did I do? I did this. I did that. I'm working on this. I'm, you know, I did all of this cleaning. I did this. I found these new recipes. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm studying Korean, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to kind of take a step back and be like, I don't have to prove myself. My value is not directly tied to my productivity levels. And I think that's what I've narrowed down. I think that's really, really, really where we have struggles with the identity shifts and I think that's also where we run into this conflict between how we view stay-at-home moms and military spouses and their worth because again we're looking at like okay what are you contributing what are you doing every day what are you bringing to the table and that shouldn't be the questions that we're asking them because Maybe this is just me. I don't know. But I think especially if you're a hard charging type A woman, like we're so used to putting everything into our careers and our jobs and any task we're given, we go above and beyond. Maybe because we feel the need to outperform others to prove that we deserve to have a seat at the table. Maybe just to show that we're capable to prove it to ourselves, to prove to others. Maybe just because that's what was always expected of us. Perfection, nothing less. Held to higher standards. So you take away that piece, whether that's productivity, whether that's the career piece, the job piece, anything like that. You take that away and yeah, it's going to be a huge adjustment. That's going to be a huge identity shift. And you're probably, unless you're like super healthy and great, you're probably going to have to work through that shift for a while. That's not going to happen overnight. Like I said, I'm I'm like sometimes a little bit floored by it. But I think bigger picture, what I've sort of narrowed down why we have this inherent lower view of stay-at-home moms and spouses of military people is because especially as females, like we're so used to having to fill those roles and we're so used to 
being those type A hard chargers, the bosses, the leaders, all this stuff. And that's what so much of our identity is surrounded by. We're like, okay, but can you make rank in this number of years? Can you hit the degree? Like, can you hit all these check boxes within a certain timeline, all that stuff? And we put our value, like Elise Meyer said, we put our value in our productivity levels. Okay, what can you contribute? What are you performing? What are you bringing to the table? Versus just, are you a decent human being? Like, are you making other people happy? Are you making someone else's life just a little bit easier or just a little bit more pleasant? And so I think what it is, is because a lot of like some of my really close friends and family members, they were talking to me and they're like, oh my God, I like, I don't know how you do it. Like, And that's the other thing, the other argument people always say, like, oh, I would be so bored. I couldn't stay at home. I'd blah, blah, blah. I'd go crazy. I'd go stir crazy. And I'm like, okay, but what are you doing that's bringing value to your life? Yes, if you sit at home and absolutely do nothing, if you just sit on the couch all day long, every single day, only watch TV, yeah, I'd probably feel a little sluggish too. But... Then I really kind of came to terms with the fact that my identity, my self-worth is not just, okay, what rank can you make in the military and how quickly can you make that rank? It is not just, okay, what job title, what promotion can you get at work? Because there's more to me than that. There's more to me than just the job, than just the military. And I think that was kind of the eye-opener for me was, okay, what am I doing just because? You know, if that's, if that's reading, if that's writing a novel you've always kind of thought about, if that's doing a podcast, whatever the case may be, right? If you find value in that, if you find enjoyment in that, that's all that matters. And I think a lot of us, like I said, especially the women, like it's hard for us to come to grips with that because we're just not used to it. We're used to always being pushed and pushed and pushed to do better, be more, be more efficient, be more productive be more successful. And we're not taught how to just exist for the sake of existing for ourselves. We're always viewed in relation to what we can create, what we can produce for others. Oh, you can do that. You can cook, you can clean, you can do this. You're a great wife. Now you're a benefit to your husband. Oh, you can do X, Y, and Z. You can have kids. Now you're a great mom to the benefit of your children. Oh, you can do this and that, take care of your parents. Now you're a great daughter to the benefit of your parents. Oh, you're an excellent boss. You're an excellent leader. You're an excellent program manager. You can run all these projects, blah, blah, blah. You're a benefit to the company. You're a benefit to your boss. But I think there's something really, really freeing when you can just say, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this hobby just because it brings me joy just because, because I want to, because it brings value to my life. And I think that was really the eye-opening piece for me when people started immediately prodding me like, okay, what are you going to contribute? What are you going to do now that you're not in the military? I'm like, I'm going to exist. I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to take a break. For once in my life, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to relax. I'm going to de-stress, decompress, and let my dang adrenal system catch a break for once in its life and I think the biggest eye-opener piece for me was like once you find your sense of purpose 
And once you can find whatever it is that makes you tick and place your value, your self-worth within intrinsic components of your life instead of just your productivity levels, that's when you can really grow into the person that you want to be. I'm talking like big picture, like your legacy. At the end of the day, who do you want to be truly as a person? That's not going to come from external factors of I got this promotion, I made that job, I made this job, whatever, whatever. It's going to come from something that has true value in your life. And I don't know, just my theory, but maybe that's also why some people are so hesitant to accept stay-at-home moms, why they're so defensive almost against military spouses is because maybe they don't know how to be alone with their own thoughts. They don't know how to find their identity outside of the military, outside of their job, outside of their promotion, whatever. They don't know what they intrinsically value yet, or maybe they aren't comfortable with just existing on their own independently. And so that's why they say, oh, you put me at home, I could never. I'd be antsy. I'd have to go do something. Maybe that's what it is. But overall, like I said, I'm like, oh, we've got to be nicer. Like we have to be more accepting. We have to, you know, also just really put in the effort, like learn their identity, not just asking all the questions of the military person or of the, you know, the primary caregiver, whatever, if you're the stay-at-home mom. Ask about that other person. Ask them what they do. Hey, what do you truly care about? Like, what makes you passionate? What what makes you tick? Build on their identity, their own identity, not just them in relation to somebody else. Not just, oh, what do you bring to the table? Just my thoughts. But again, we all know where this is going, right? Make good choices. Be a decent human being. That's all I ask. That's all I care about. Like I said, say it a million more times. The people making these comments, the nicest people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're always treating every community and every different type of person the best way that we can be. And that's all I ask. That we just care about each other. We make good choices. Be a decent human being. And don't say mean stuff. Like, why Why are we still... Are we in eighth grade? Why are we still, like, trying to hurt each other's feelings intentionally? That's what I don't get. Why are we still saying, oh, this person's a dependipotamus. They don't do anything. They're just lazy. They're just leeches on society. Blah, blah, blah. Why are we saying stuff like that? Why are we saying stuff that's not true? That's all I'm saying. All I am saying. But, yes. If y'all are a stay-at-home mom out there, or if you are the spouse of a military member, props to you. It is more difficult than we get credit for. And yeah, if you have any feedback on this episode, feel free to reach out. Let me know what your thoughts are. Have a great week. I will catch y'all next time. Make good choices. Be a decent human being. I had to repeat it again. You guys know the drill. Sorry. Okay, bye. Bye.